Welcome back to the Los Links Talk Show. The season is uh, wrapping up here very shortly. We're in the final weeks of the WNBA season, and uh, we're back. It's uh, We do this show every two weeks, and uh, we love uh, bringing on guests and uh, talking to different people, getting different perspectives, and uh, today we have a very special guest, um, and really it's a, it's a momentous occasion. It's a, it's an honorary occasion, I would say, because, uh, you know, this program has been happening now for two summers, two seasons, and I've been trying to get different people each week, you know, to showcase different people covering the links and different people who know about the team. Um, but today we have our first ever returning guest. Yes, someone who has been on this program before. And, um, you know, this person, you know, really, I think, deserves this honor because uh, they work so hard to cover the links and uh, even uh, kind of worked for the team uh, uh, once upon a time. And um, uh, so uh, welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the Los Links talk show to Katie Davidson. Hello, Katie. Hey, Neil. Uh, that was quite the introduction, and I'm very honored to be the first returning guest. We had to do it. I mean... <laughs> I mean, you're you're uh, you you have you have ascended uh, the Lynx media hierarchy, I would say, <laughs> and uh, you're neck and neck with Kent Youngblood right now. You know, the two of uh, you, the two of you, are right at the top. We know Jace is in there too, Pioneer Press. No, um, I, you know, I definitely don't deserve that credit. That's for sure. I feel like you guys is... are the big three. You know what I mean? Like as far as longevity <laughs> in the game, and as far as like at the commitment level. You know what I mean? Like you got you're there all the time. You're in all the calls. You're in all the you're in all the availabilities. You are you're a known quantity. And so I, I felt like you know as much as I want to have a different person on every single show. At, at the end of the day, there's only so many people. And if you're gonna do a repeat, you might as well repeat with Katie Davidson. Well, I am happy to be here, but again, that was way, way, way too generous of you, so. <laughs> yes, well, um, Katie, uh, you know, you have, uh, you know, th this is, is, is this your second season? On the yeah, this is, is, is this is, this is why I was going to stop you with all those nice <laughs> things you said, because this is just the second season I've covered of the Lynx, so like, this new Lynx team is just um, what I've known as far as covering them so right yeah you don't yeah that's that's where kent will always have everybody because he <laughs> right. is i'm not sure when he started but it's it's probably like you know it's probably like early in the reeve era right it's probably like close to a decade uh, or maybe yeah, even he's more probably than coming that. up on that yeah I, I think he was i know someone else was here her first year but he i'm sure came shortly after that so yeah, totally. And it's it's uh, especially, I think, in the WNBA and in women's sports, it's especially notable because, as as we know, there's like not that many paid jobs for this thing. Right. right? Like, and, sure. you know, you know, can't work for the Star Tribune. You know, Glenn Taylor owns the team and all that stuff. So it's like, you know, it works out. But, you know, it's, I think it's hard to remain um, in it when you're not getting paid. And, you know, there's a lot of turnover and stuff. So, yeah, being able to stick around uh, one way or the other, whether you're making money or not, is, is definitely notable. Um, but that leads us into talking about where you're working these days, because last year was for the athletic. Um, and then you actually joined the Timberwolves links, um, organization, um, to kind of cover the team, um, there, um, from within the team. And now you're with, uh, the next. So I don't know, tell us about uh, sort of your journey, you know, covering the links over the last few years and, um, what's happening now and what, what is the next? It's a, it's a new, it's a, it's a new enterprise. It's a new publication. So we need to inform people and let people know, uh, what's going on over there. Yeah, so um, the next started up in May of 2020, 
and this is just my second month working with the next um and i'm a freelance writer for them so i was laid off from the timberwolves and Lynx. um end of june july 1st was my last day with them and then i hopped on with the next two days later i think so um it's been really fun and just i'm really really uh grateful that i still have a place that i can write links content and cover the team so it's worked out and um just the the writers for the next two like they know so 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 much about the league and its history and are so dedicated like i told you i'm unemployed right now as far as full-time work and like i feel like i'm constantly watching basketball constantly writing about basketball but a lot of these people that write for the next have like full-time jobs or part-time jobs too so um i don't know they're just so dedicated and it's been really fun well i mean that's that's like an incredible like you you're a two-day free agency period (laughs) that's amazing like you 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 were just on the market and someone just just picked you right up like you just couldn't be you couldn't be a free agent for too long now now hopefully uh coming up you have a you have a paid uh (laughs) right that's the next move you want your unemployment free agency to last a similar length hopefully (laughs) yeah we'll see they're pretty hard to come by right now as everyone knows but um like I said, I'm just really grateful and the people are great. So, okay. So what, tell us a little bit more about the next, like, what is it specifically who, you know, who's involved and, um, you know, I know you're, you know, you're writing quite a bit about the links. Is there, is there someone writing for every single team? And, and, um, you know, I guess I'm even fuzzy if it's, I know you have like a web product, but is it a newsletter? I know it's built on Substack, which I kind of see as sort of like a more, you know, in the email newsletter space, which is really hot these days. Yeah, so it's, again, like you said, it's on Substack, but um, we typically write after every single game. I'm more like two or three times a week where some people are like writing, seems like every other day. But we have reporters for each, all 12 teams, and um, I believe Phoenix has two beat reporters, then I think that's more of like a availability thing. And then we have a few people like Dorothy Gentry, um, Lindsey Gibbs, um, who write just feature stories because uh, obviously they have so many other gigs. Um, but it's been, like I said, really fun. And Howard Magdal is the one who's like the editor-in-chief and who founded it in May. And of course, he has so many other groups um, doing women's sports coverage. So just really glad to be a part of a group that doesn't consider um, women's sports coverage to just be like a checklist item. Like, this is why they're here um, they don't compare women's athletics to men's athletics. It's nothing like that. Like it's, they just want to be here and um, love the league. So, well, and the other part that I think is really cool that you were telling me off mic before we hit record is that you know Howard's really striving to you know really have as many female um, employees as possible and, and you know have you know have that as far as the um, talent base there. And is that is that is it hundred percent female run? I guess other than Howard, but is that the reality right now, or is that just like something you're continuing working towards to get all ladies involved? Yeah, it's actually not all women right now. Um, like Derek James, he covers Seattle. He used to oh, cover course, the Lynx yeah. before he um, he was the Lynx beat reporter before he moved to Seattle. Even though like we're all <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, doing this from afar now, but um, we have a couple other guys on there too, like Brendan Clean, um, Drew Ivory. Um, they cover Dallas and Phoenix, so it's nice. not all women, but um, great group. Yeah, regardless. Totally. So. 
that's cool. Well, yeah, you got to check out the next. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm sure everybody listening to this uh, obviously reads Katie over there. And uh, uh, yeah, it's it's really cool. It's it's again like as we were talking about before. It's kind of hard to. Um, you know, we just, we need more, we need more of this, right? We need more things right. like this to, um, continue to build the different outlets, you know, even, even for now, if they're not paid or, you know, so, you know, not full-time job positions or whatever, like, I think it's still cool to get these, get these things up and running. Cause you get, you, you gotta start somewhere really. I think a lot of people, you know, obviously want there to be these, all these full-time jobs and all this stuff pop out of nowhere, but more realistically, <laughs> you got to start small, you got to start, uh, you know, working volunteer basis, and then you can kind of build it from there. And, and, you know, he's done that with high post hoops, um, a little bit. And, uh, this seems like another great opportunity for that. And just to get more voices in the room, you know, we talked about how it's lots of turnover within, you know, the press room and that kind of thing. And, but it'd be also nice to just have more people in there in general for the WNBA. And thankfully, and on, at least for the links, we've really seen that grow, you know, even in the last few years, even when I started covering in 2017, like it's really grown and you're really seeing more, more people, um, cover the team and, uh, I think the next is uh, is is a big part of that, and it's going to be going forward. So, really cool to see new uh, new spots like that popping up. Um, but yeah, let's talk a little bit about this summer and how things have gone. Um, obviously, as uh, we record this, uh, you know we're about uh, we're about eighty percent of the way through the season, I would guess, uh, maybe a little bit more than that. But um, you know, between uh, you know since our last uh, Los Links talk show uh there was uh, a pause in action uh there was uh mm-hmm. you know the game stopped for two days uh call it you know then they say and don't don't call it a protest don't call it a strike it's a you know day of, of learning or whatever they wanted to call and stuff but you know basically the game stopped you know due to um you know due to uh you know issues of again just the ongoing police brutality and um you know black and brown people being targeted disproportionately and all these issues that uh, really have have really you know loomed large for for a long time, but especially um, you know kind of this summer and in the spring and stuff. Um, so it's just been a very intense and emotional kind of you know even as the season started, this was going to be a big part of the of the year you know by choice. I mean that was a big part of both the NBA and the WNBA um, doing their kind of restart seasons is what they they were going to put social justice and they were going to put racial issues at, uh, on the forefront and they were going to have campaigns and for the WNBA it's the Say Her Name campaign and they're highlighting um, different women that have been um, targeted or abused by the police and um, different things like this and I think they've done a really good job, you know, as far as, um, pushing those things, whether it's, you know, in the press releases or pregame sort of, you know, standing in solidarity and, you know, having, you know, focusing on these specific cases of these different women and, and, and things like this. So it's been a, uh, a big part of this season overall, but then of course it all flares up with the Jacob Blake situation, um, in, um, in Wisconsin. And so, yeah, they shut down the season for a few days and, I just wanted to talk to you about this topic because, in my opinion, you have been the person um, on the Lynx beat who has, you know, asked players, asked coaches, um, tried to keep this kind of thing in the conversation. And in, and personally, for me, I feel like I have done a bad job at it, and I've just I've just have a hard time trying to ask about it and write about it and know the way forward through all this stuff. And um, I really um, commend you for, for I'm, I'm, I'm imagining you have some of the same feelings, but you just go for it anyway. And I think that's really cool. And I really admire you for that. So what has sort of, how have you felt about this summer and, and sort of covering the social just, justice aspect 
of this season and, and how have you kind of dealt with everything that's been happening this year? Yeah, so um, I feel like I was kind of one of those people who, after George Floyd was murdered and there was talks about a season happening, um, but the bubble, it wasn't uh, solidified yet or the circumstances weren't, I was just kind of like, how do you play sports right now with everything that's going on? Um, I just thought like it's going to be a distraction from everything else that we need to deal with as a country. And um, then I remember Reeves' first availability after they had announced that there would be a 2020 season. And of course, it was um, her first availability after George Floyd was murdered, too. And someone just said or asked her, you know, how is what are you going to do in the bubble that's going to make an impact or um, how are you going to be able to impact your own community when you're down in Florida? And she just said, she talked about all the things, all the initiatives the league was, or the league was taking on, but she also said, but it can't just be us. Like reporters have to continue to ask too, like, when are you guys going to get sick of us talking about it? It has to be a back and forth, a mutual thing. Um, and I definitely lost sight of that for the start of the season with everything, um, just all the new narratives with the new start of a season and whatnot. And I remember <laughs> I have no track of time anymore, but Doug <laughs> Feinberg, maybe like a month ago, month and a half ago, maybe just um, was in a Zoom call on, I think it was a pregame thing. And Reeve was wearing a shirt that said, I think it was that my vote one that Karima Christmas Kelly designed and he asked her about it just what it meant to her and she went on and I just like I just just like wow I need to do more of this um and have tried to ever since but there's also a hesitation where it's like okay um me as a white person I could see where a black athlete would be like why should I have to tell you my story? Why can't I just tell my own story on my own platform? And um, I think that makes complete sense. But I also feel like it's kind of um, not an adequate job of reporting to not be talking about these things too and not to be bringing them up since the league is focusing on racial justice um, so much. So I just feel like Strictly talking about basketball is not um, doing justice to all of this. And I really struggled last week. Um, and again, like I'm a white person of privilege, like so much privilege. So to say I struggled last week sounds, um, I, I just, it just sounds dumb on my end. But um, I just really struggled to write about basketball after um, Jacob Blake was paralyzed uh, shot seven times in the back and then um, after the player strike but I'm trying to find that balance still right now so especially like with playoffs coming up but um, I don't know it just it can't be just the players and the coaches doing all this and then nothing be reci- being reciprocated from reporters in my mind at least um, I get it, like this isn't what reporters reporters didn't sign up for a job where it's talking about racial justice but I just I don't know how you make a career or you know um, do this and write about a predominantly black league and don't talk about things that are going on outside of the bubble um, yeah well and you know 
covering you know sports uh, you know it's it's overused thing but say sports is a microcosm of society um you know kind of gets gets said a lot and i think that it holds true here too because much like in our society where you know again also a white person also kind of struggling with some of those same ideas um and how to talk about it and not wanting to say the wrong thing and you know um you know i think it it also works here too where it's like yeah we're here to write about basketball but you know there are things that are bigger than basketball and that are important to these athletes and to um and, and to us as well and so we need to kind of get out of our normal routine and get out of our normal selves and push ourselves right. um to to try and write about these things or at least shine a light on them and ask a question about it um and so i just feel like that's how things need to be in our lives too i mean something that you know i've kind of opened up to, to or just this idea of um you know it's it's not enough to be uh uh, not racist uh, anymore. Right. You have to push back and be firmly anti-racism um, now. Right. And so, like that idea, I think can like carry over to coverage of basketball as well, where it's like it's not just enough to write about basketball anymore. There's also these other issues in the periphery that you know need to be brought forward. And so, I'm just trying to think of it in that way too, as a um, as more of a mindset change of like it's not just about basketball, and there are other things you can do here. Um, to kind of get some of these ideas and this messaging across. So, um, but yeah, I definitely relate to a lot of the things, you know, you said there about, uh, about, yeah, just like, it's just, it's just hard to, cause again, we kind of signed up to do this for basketball and we've, we've been doing this a certain way for a certain amount of time. But again, it just goes back to like, that's what racism is in this country too. Exactly. It's like, Hey, we're all, Hey, it's all, it's all, it's all good. Right. This is how things have been. And it's like, like no. we have to be uncomfortable for anything to change. Like, until we have these conversations, like white people among white people and talk about the past and everything, nothing's going to change. Um, so I just think it's like this is exactly the time to uh, remove yourself from your comfort zone and just, I don't know, get immersed in it. Yeah, and I think all this progress, I think, will come incrementally and it will come slowly right. but surely. I mean, I think of a couple of years ago, and I know the NFL is is a very big, different kind of vibe and league. But like you think about Kaepernick and how big of a deal it was that he was kneeling and just like all the blowback he got, and he basically just you know got kicked out of the league for that. And it was such a big deal, and that was just like one person doing one small act. And now the NBA and the WNBA, all the players are kneeling every game. Like, and it's not really seen as this big, I mean, some people are offended by it and stuff like that, but like, it's sort of accepted as a, as a kind of standard form of protest or more sort of like, I guess, reasonable thing to do in some sort of ways. And it's just like, that is an example of how things can move slowly, but surely, I guess. And so, um, you know, and it's hard because we get caught up in what am I doing? How how can I make a big change? And I think it's not necessarily, and I thought about that because, you know, after, after the shutdown, I didn't really know how to write about this stuff, but thankfully Cheryl did a 30 minute, like crazy, (laughs) awesome, like just heartfelt, literally crying, like, amazing press conference that everybody who witnessed it was like so moved by it and to me I just wrote about the things she said and it was kind of it wasn't easy but it was I kind of felt like all I had to do was kind of just like talk a little bit about about the things she was talking about so especially when you have someone like Cheryl leading the way like they're leading you just kind of got to go in the wake there and just like help out around the side so you know these players are doing so much the coach is doing so much so 
I think sometimes it's easy to get caught up in, oh, what's my big piece going to be? Or what's my what's my statement? Or how am I getting around all this stuff? And sometimes it's just a matter of like amplify their voices. Just like, For sure. like I, it was funny because I think you tweeted something about, you know, putting too much like block quote in your in your piece <laughs> or whatever. And I think about that all the time too. But it's like, oh yeah, this is the perfect time to just like drop all these big quotes in here because it's, it yeah. was just so amazing the things she was saying. Right. For sure. Like I like my editorial or my editorialization of anything about race is not needed right now. It's I, like I said in that tweet, it was um, a piece that I did not feel about over quoting or anything like that. So yeah, and that works. You know, I think we just need to remember that it's just about amplifying their voices. And, you know, the you know, whether it's women or whether it's, you know, women of color or whatever it is like. That's kind of a big, as big of a deal as anything. It's just like getting their voices heard. Like it's not necessarily about adding your piece or or finding a way to like make it interesting necessarily. It's just like literally just get their words out there, whether it's audio or video or writing something down. Like that's kind of a, a big part of it too. So you know, I, I think I think it's I think it's been hard. I would imagine there's a lot of people who kind of feel like we do, where it's kind of like oh, it's very different, and we're white, and we're trying to figure out how to navigate all this. But overall, I think the league has done a really good job. I mean, I guess, you know, you brought up the shirts. I mean, even that goes a long way. I mean, you see all the coaches kind of wearing the different shirts or they all wearing this exact same shirt, but like different for every game. Or you see pictures of the players walking in off the bus um, into the, into the arena and they're, you know, they're wearing the shirts as well. And so, you know, I feel like that goes a long way too. It's not even that, again, some, some players are speaking out. Some coaches are saying a lot of things, but even just like being united in this message, a simple message that's on your shirt that can go such a long way so there's been a lot of cool things like that right like there's been a lot of interesting I think they've just done a good job in both leagues um this summer kind of putting that stuff out there and kind of making it a marketing push I guess of uh, of this season for sure and I just think about like the little kids who are like maybe this is their first WNBA or NBA season that they're watching and this is just going to be normal for them um to see Black Lives Matter and just to see that normalized, especially as a child of color, um, that's huge. And so I get where sometimes people are like, the shirts aren't enough. You have to do more. Of course, um, a shirt's not going to change the world. But um, the symbol, the symbolism um, still goes a long way. So Yeah, and like I said, those are small things that can snowball. And just I right. think you said it right, like normalizing these things, like Black Lives Matter in the corridor. I was even you know watching the... Watching the NBA game uh, last night, the you know Rockets Thunder game seven, and you know Mark Jackson and I forget who his partner was, were just just talking in very like stark I terms about too, what yeah. happened to Breonna Taylor, and it was just like wow, like I, I and, you know I guess like cynically it's like oh yeah the NBA is like putting the heat on these guys to do it. I'm glad they are, um, but it's just like this is something you would have never heard even like a year ago from the from right. these announcers, just like in such stark terms, like saying when will they be arrested? When will the police be arrested for this? for this crime and stuff. And it's just like, wow, like, and even in small ways, things are really moving forward. And yeah, it's, it's easy to look at the world and especially as it involves, you know, race and stuff like that being like, man, everything's so messed up and things are so bad. But if you, if you kind of focus in on these like small things that have come a long way, I feel like it's, it's really um, empowering or it's really like inspiring to sort of see that because again, just a year ago, you wouldn't have seen that at all. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And like, like people I'm sure are like what's this doing but 
it's so much better than uh, just completely ignoring what else is going on. Right. So. Just like, oh, we can't we can't politicize it. We can't talk right. about it. You know, it's like, no, well, now we are talking about it. So too bad. So uh, I'm glad all that's happened. And I think um, in both leagues, it's been a, a positive push forward. And it's been a really cool. I think when we look back on this summer, we're going to remember this as much or more than necessarily like who the champion is. Like, oh, you know, like uh, sure, or yeah. who the MVP was or all this stuff. We're going to we were going to remember we're going to remember sort of the Black Lives Matter on the court, all the shirts, all the messaging. Um, and I think it's definitely over time, we're going to look back at the summer as like this cool watershed moment where things kind of changed and there's a new normal for how we do this now. And that this kind of stuff, as long as it continues to happen, it's going to be on um, it's on the players and on the media to kind of keep bringing it up. So I think that's really cool. Um, but yeah, nice work on uh, continuing to work on this stuff and, and uh, uh, we'll see where it goes from here. Um, but let's, uh, let's pivot a little bit and talk about, the basketball on the floor uh, links are, uh, as we said, uh, getting, getting kind of close to the end of their season. Currently, twelve and five, um, uh, offensive rating. They're fifth in offensive rating, uh, third in defensive rating, and that is good for the third best net rating in the league. I feel like that's a good way to, to kind of rank the teams within the within the season. Who's uh, you know how how that's going? And and wow, the links have been climbing all the way up to all the way up to the third best net rating in the league. They jumped LA. Uh, this week in net rating, which uh, I think is exciting, you know, as a, you know, as a, again, a barometer to kind of say who are the, who are the best teams in the league and all that. So, um, you know, it's, it's been good and, and it's been the offense too has been really interesting. I mean, we know, mm-hmm. we know the team is going to be good defensively and, and, and frankly to, to continue to have the third best defense without Sylvia Fowles also just speaks to the institutional um, sort of plan that Cheryl has here and, and just putting her team in a, in a, in a, in a um, you know, place to succeed, but offensively to be the fifth best offense. I mean, come on, that is, that's incredible. Um, you know, what have you seen from the team in the last few weeks here? Um, you know, had, had some big wins and, and stuff, but you know, what, what have you seen recently? What's, what surprised you? What, what, what are you thinking about these days is the, the most recent uh, games that uh, pass us by? Well, to be completely honest, when um, Sylvia was hurt, I was just like, all right, um, we'll see if if they edge into the playoffs, awesome, but it's all going to be about, like, next year's free agency, and this will just be a learning curve. But uh, I've been completely wrong, so (laughs) um, I don't know. I, I hate, like, I feel like every single time we ask a question about how they've like how they've been this successful it's about team chemistry and resiliency and having a player step up every single night that they need them to and like as cliche as that is it's it's honestly been true of this group like they have so many scorers or people who can step up any given night um and that's been really fun to watch and I just I feel like this team last year um just I saw them crumble a lot in the fourth quarter or at the end of every single quarter and that's been different this year which is insane because I mean Sill's not out on the court obviously she's still there but um there's just like Nafisa Collier is their only captain on the court and she's the second year player and I forget about that every single night that she plays but um I don't know it's Again, like I am so sick of writing the word resiliency and <laughs> um, being so cliche, but it it's been true for this group. And I think it does start honestly with um, just training camp and like 
they weren't impacted by like they didn't have any cases of COVID. It wasn't um, their team was pretty intact. They didn't have um, players aside from Chechi who didn't come over. Um, and like for the majority of the group, aside from Odyssey Sims, was there at the start of training camp. And I think that probably really, really helped them. Um, and of course, Cheryl Reeve always like specifically brings in people who she feels are going to fit chemistry wise. And I think that probably maybe more so than any year has been so important this season. So, yeah, I think we talk a lot about Cheryl as the coach and the system that's on the floor and stuff. And, uh, yeah, she, she always brings it back to them being good people first. And, you know, that's kind of the barometer for, you know, how they decide who to bring onto this team. But I've been thinking a lot about like the GM Cheryl Reeve, uh, recently and just, a lot of the pickups that they had from this year and, and even in past years too, she usually finds, um, you know, players on the margins that, you know, that can come in and fill in or just like solid. And, and, um, you know, I guess this year's version is Erica McCall, you know, like, right. you know, or Shanice Johnson, who's maybe been a little more up or down, but it's just like, you can plug them in for five minutes or seven minutes or something. And they're just like, not going to make that many mistakes. And they're just going to play their asses off and, you know, just hustle all over the floor. And, I don't know. The, the GM, Cheryl, um, Cheryl Reeve, I think deserves as much credit as the coach this year. I mean, you just think about Bridget Carlton and how solid she's been, too. And you just think about that. I think, cause, and the other thing that's get forgotten is that Kareem at Christmas Kelly went down early, um, early on. And it's just like now you just think about it. And it's like even with a healthy Kareem, would you think she would have played as well as Bridget Carlton has played this year? It's like I struggle. I struggle to think that that would have been the case. Like even though Kareem sure. is so much more veteran and, you know, maybe has a little more like stoutness to her to defend. And I just can't imagine her hitting as many threes as Bridget's hitting, um, not turning the ball over, just all the intangibles and kind of small things that Bridget brings has, has been such a big boost to this team as well. And so, you know, obviously – there's been, you know, bigger name players that kind of stepped up and played well for the links and stuff. But just to nail all those like smaller moves, um, I guess I just feel like that has also been sort of an unheralded part of this year. And it's kind of really kept them afloat, too. Oh, for sure. And like you mentioned, like Shanice and Erica, they can just come off the bench and be solid. Like Shanice, you said, sometimes has more turnovers than um, I'm sure we right. would care for. But they it never looks like they're intimidated or you know just thrown out there at the wrong time or anything um I don't I think that again goes back to chemistry and that sounds super um (laughs) I don't know what the right word is it's just I just think they seem so tight-knit and maybe that's also because they can't get away from each other in the bubble but um forced chemistry right (laughs) but it just seems like they have a really good group and Reeve talks about that almost every single night so I don't know. I don't think it's made up. But. <laughs> yeah, and I guess the the only you know let's uh, let's not all it's not all roses. I guess let's, let's <laughs> so, some of the disappointments to me are Lexi Brown and Rachel Bannon, yeah. which I think are interesting because the whole like point guard you know one and two guard situation for the Lynx has has kind of been in flux for a while now, and you know um, as, uh, before the season it was like okay Crystal's probably not going to play too much. Um, Odyssey is out. Um, right. Maybe she'll be in the bubble. Um, but hey, we got uh, you know we got Shanice Johnson. She's our starter, and Lexi Brown's going to start too at the two, and we'll see how it goes. And it's just so crazy how much that has all like been flipped on its head. And um, you know, you have Crystal. Obviously, is one of the biggest stories in the whole league. I think um, kind of coming out <laughs> of nowhere sure. to be um, the leading rookie of the year candidate at this point. And so you have that element. But then like 
Odyssey then comes back and, uh, you know, obviously she missed like half the year and is now just finally kind of getting back to, you know, starter level play. Um, but so, so I, but even that kind of surprises me how good she's been and be able to bounce back. Um, and then you have the flip side of that, which is like Rachel and, and Lexi kind of underperforming a little bit um, due to maybe expectations or maybe, you know, steps we wanted those players to take. So it, it, it has worked out ultimately for the links that, you know, Lexi and Rachel can just kind of, kind of come off the bench and fill in and they don't have to take on such a big role. But I guess if we have to say for disappointments, maybe the two of them would be um, – things to point to what, what about you is that are those does that jive with you is there anybody, anything else yeah, in here that's maybe sure. been disappointing i mean um yeah rachel i just feel like she like her game against la that is i mean i i don't see her scoring that anomalous uh, yeah for sure but like that role as far as coming in to bring quick offense that's what i see her ceiling as yeah she's not going to be able to defend like you're going to need good help side players in there with her um Lexi I just feel like and again I have a really hard time like and I need to get over this because it's my job to be objective and (laughs) to criticize players but I have a hard time right now criticizing players knowing what they're going through but um again Lexi just it feels like Lexi is the one person on the team and maybe that's too harsh but that can never like she's just too hard on herself and you see that on the court where I don't see that with I can't like I can't point it out with other players as much um but I just feel like that's maybe what's holding her back and maybe that's too simple but her shot is just I don't know it's I have the numbers here for her last five games she's eight for 27 from the field and three for 14 so Mm. um it's just I don't know it's tough and I get where Reeve like gave her many many chances to um show or get out of this slump but i understand where she brought sims back into the starting lineup too because i don't know i don't know what's going on yeah i mean she she basically had 15 games as a starter to you know kind of show you know kind of show it you know hey where's your growth and what can you do for us here and and yeah, you're right. I, I think you nailed it. She seems to let more than any other player. She seems to let her play affect her and continue to like hang over her for like longer. Like all these other players, it seems like even Crystal like let bet. You know, when when something goes wrong or when she has a bad quarter or a bad half or a bad game, it's just like all right, on to the next thing. And you just yeah. hear, hear about that so much as like being a, such a valuable skill for any professional athlete to have is to not get too high, not to get too low and let the, let the bad stuff roll off. And, um, it, yeah, it definitely seems like she just gets so frustrated. Um, and you know, on one hand, that's good. She's probably very competitive, you know, she's probably, she's just, it sucks to not play well and not perform when you're supposed to be, but you need to also have that other side where you can like let it roll off. And she seems to be so in her own head and um, right. it's tough. It's tough for someone, especially if someone who's a shooter, right? It's like you hear about that, just like just keep shooting. You know, as shooters, you're going to have slumps and you just you just got to shoot through it. And I can imagine that's very tough, especially when it's, it's happening to you and you're not really helping out. Too many. I mean, she's one of the league leaders in steals. So it's not like yeah. 
She's not a one-trick pony, but really her value is shooting, and and the team needs her to make baskets. And if she's not doing that, especially if she's, to me, it's not it's not that she's missing shots, but sometimes she'll hit hit the pump fake and kind of try to dribble in. And it's like no, just let it fly. Like yeah. this is why you're out here to shoot the ball. If you're not if you're going to record scratch and pass the ball or something like that, well, you might need to sit down then. And it doesn't seem like she's taking that very well. But I'm sure behind the scenes, there's maybe a little bit of growth there. I mean, Cheryl has talked about last year it was it was tough for her personally, and and you know she you know didn't deal with you know you know some of the negative things of her game or losing very well and you kind of hope to see growth in that and maybe again behind the scene we don't know all the information again they are they know all that internally how she's doing so maybe she's doing a little bit better with that but we definitely haven't seen that on the floor and her be able to bounce back from a bad performance that well there's just no middle ground with her she either has a great night or she's 0 for 4 and that's it right no and I think I I think earlier this week I was just thinking like Wow, if the Lynx had not gotten Crystal at 16, like, what would their backport be? And I think Crystal also, too, just seems so um, impressive to me, not only because of how poised she is, but because we've seen, like, multiple players on this team have a good night, but then an opponent, the next opponent, scouts them and um, learns their tricks or whatever and is able to stop them the next game. But that hasn't been the case for Crystal. Like, I think she had probably her worst game against Seattle which was the second game of the season and other than that she's been like she's just looked like uh, she's been in the league for quite some time yeah I um, mean that's huge it's obviously the, the, the biggest part of their success this year probably is, is her stepping up like you said I think they you know I don't know if they'd be like a lottery team or whatever but they'd probably be like seventh or eighth in the standings or something like I don't know I don't know how well they would fare without her um, in there being so steady and being able to play so much. I mean, I just looked it up. She leads the team in usage. Like, <laughs> it's it's absolutely insane and to, you know, have that. And, and to me, it's it's not crazy to have a rookie lead you in usage. I'm sure Carter is going to be the same with Atlanta. But the difference is she's leading the team in usage, and they're 12-5. and five. Right, And she's exactly. played almost every game. I think she has played every game. So Are um, you that's someone who, for the rookie of the year race, are you someone who, like, or just any individual award, are you someone who like try doesn't consider um, team success at all, or does that play in for you? I think it matters. I, I think yeah. I think it should. Uh, you know, I think Satu Sabli is going to be the best player in this in this class. Um, and Carter probably also will be ultimately better um, overall than Dangerfield. But I think to me, the award is a snapshot of that season rather mm-hmm. more than sort of like projecting forward for who's ultimately going to have the better career. I mean, all that is still just hearsay and to be written. We'll see how all that goes. Whereas the award and to me, all the awards are about who in this season performed the best. And so right. I think it's as easy as, yeah, I think Dangerfield leading the team, leading one of the you know a top four team uh, in usage it to me is the open and shut case for her rookie of the year candidacy. It's not that it's not that she's, you know, just on the team. She's starting and she's leading the team in usage and they're 12 and five. So, um, you know, I, I kind of, at this point we're getting, I mean, uh, these other players just aren't going to have enough games really played right. and they're both on teams. that are going to be lottery teams. So, um, I don't know how you put one of those two, you know, Sobley or Carter. I'm trying to think of who else is in the mix, but I think, you know, the Lynx are, uh, it would take a, you know, they have five games left. They lose all five of them. Maybe (laughs) something like that happens. And maybe uh, Dangerfield isn't the rookie of the year, but, you know, barring any unforeseen catastrophe, I I think it has to be her at this point, right? Oh, me too. Yeah, for sure. I've heard like some people 
like when um, the first players of the week were announced and people being upset that it seemed like team success was weighed in and I was just like well doesn't I feel like that always has to weigh in because if you're playing well and your team's doing poorly that well, and especially if you're playing, I mean, it's like Ezzy, um, Magnabor, I forgot to say her last name, on Seattle. I mean, Seattle's the best team in the league kind of by far. I mean, not necessarily by re- by record anymore. Uh, you know, Vegas is kind of right there. But, you know, Ezzy is another rookie who's been playing really well. She's very, very impressive. I think she's going to have a great career. But she's coming off the bench for one of these great teams, you know. So it's like, right. again, it's not just that Crystal's on a good team. She's heavily contributing and starting and playing big minutes. So I I just don't see the argument any other way at this point. I think, frankly, it's not even like a homer thing. I think like you hear it talked about on all these national broadcasts and stuff too. I, I'm pretty sure that's kind of the consensus thing. I, I don't know that there's, um, you know, it's 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 just a Minnesota thing. I know we think it's great because she's you know on the links. So I I, th- I think it's I think it's hers for the winning. So oh for sure we'll see. Um, we'll see when that uh, comes down here in a couple weeks. Let's uh, look look ahead now. Um, to the end of this regular season and the playoffs. So the Lynx uh, have uh, five games left. Uh, they have Dallas, Seattle, Washington, Las Vegas, and Indiana in there to close out their season um, here in the next uh, week or so. Really, there's basically just a week left of the regular season. So, uh, right? there's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So a week from Saturday is when uh, the regular season wraps up, and then we'll have playoffs from there. And the Lynx have clinched. Their uh, 10th straight uh, playoff appearance, which is um, just wild as well. And, uh, yeah, we'll get that. We'll see We'll see what happens there. But I don't know. What, what, what do you see here for these last five games? I guess the bigger question to me, too, and this is maybe a little bit of a pivot, is when is Syl going to come back? Uh, yeah. You know, she's been out, I think, for two weeks now. Um, with that, uh, with that calf strain, um, she missed a few games before, before she, you know, tweaked it really well, you know, tweaked it, uh, ultimately to put her out for a long period of time. So, um, she's actually missed more than that, but two weeks off now here, I think, I don't know. I, I, I wonder, maybe we should ask Cheryl this of how much sort of, uh, you know, how much the record plays into this. I wonder if they were kind of faring less well and if they were kind of maybe more in that six, five you right. know, seven range if maybe still we would see still in one of these last games but i don't know i mean i think even if she's getting better they obviously need to be careful with her obviously the idea is to make sure she's good for the playoffs but you probably also don't want her to have her first game back be a single elimination playoff game like right it probably would be good for her to play in one of those two final games or something like that what do you think about when still comes back and sort of what do you see for the last five games here that's a really good point as far as um having her get some court time before the playoffs start. But in my mind, I'm not expecting to see her for the rest of the regular season, and I have nothing to base that off of. But it just seems like there's been no talk about progress or um, I can't remember the last time it was asked about, honestly. I think maybe a national reporter asked and Reeve was just like, she's out. Um, so it's been yeah. pretty – not a lot of talk about progress, but um, – so they end with Vegas and Indiana, I think, are the last two games. Yep, that's right. Um, so I don't know how much they're worried about record right now, but I could see, like, if she is healthy, like, that Vegas game obviously would be good to have her for, um, and it'd be a good test for her, I guess. I don't know if you'd want to bring her back with such a physical team, but... It'd be fitting because um, she went out on the Vegas. The Vegas, yep. <laughs> the other Vegas game was when she got hurt, so it'd be a very, very nice bookend. Right. So, um, yeah, I I think I'm just, like, mentally thinking about her coming back just for the playoffs. But, like you mentioned, um, maybe that wouldn't be great either to just throw her in there for the playoffs. But, I don't know. They're going to be 
obviously is smart about it with Chuck Barta. He's sounds like he's done a pretty incredible job along with all athletic trainers down there. So um, we'll see. It'll be it'll be here sooner than we know it i suppose yeah but. yeah it'll be interesting to see and right now the links are in the you know they're in uh they're fourth in the league uh, as far as the standings go and it's kind of a big bunch right they're basically one right. uh, there's basically a cut uh, i feel like there's a cutoff there's one and two. Oh wow uh vegas dropped down a little bit huh um i don't know it is very tough i mean there's lots of teams right up at the top and then there's kind of a break after six, right? You have you have six teams that are going to finish above 500, and we'll see what Connecticut Connecticut can do. But um, you know, there's kind of a cutoff right there after after six, after Chicago and Phoenix at five and six. Uh, but I can see the links. You know, who, again, these five games. It seems like things are all good for the links, and they're they're you know cashing in all these wins and stuff. But they could be the they could be the, the sixth spot when it's all said and done too. I think they could probably go as high as three and as low as six, and a lot is still yet to be written. I don't know about Phoenix without without BG. Um, you know, I don't know how that's going to go for them, but. Um, it could go a number of different ways here, but the good news is for the Lynx is, uh, you know, they have the tiebreaker now against Chicago, um, and, uh, you know, I think, you know, they have the tie with Los Angeles, mm-hmm. 1-1. Hopefully they can get one more win against Vegas to have the tie there. I think a lot of those tiebreakers are going to go a long way. I think you might see the end of the season end with one or two ties, um, and then the next uh, criteria after um, head-to-head record is a record against uh, 500 uh, teams that are 500 and better. So basically, your record against the good teams. Um, and I'm not sure where the links are as far as that goes right now, as compared to Vegas, you know, or the Sparks or Chicago. But that's going to be like the secondary battle to win and see if they can, you know, especially with the link schedule coming up here. You know they have they face two more teams that are going to finish with a winning record in you know in Seattle and Las Vegas. Can you can you pick up a win in one of those maybe right. uh, games to you know give you a little boost there? But I think that's something to look forward to here is to kind of it's the race on these teams on beating the good teams and where the where the um, standings will all shake out at. I mean obviously you want to get one of those top four seeds um, to avoid playing two double elimination excuse me playing two uh, single elimination games. Um, but yeah, it looks like the Lynx will have to play at least one single elimination game, but we'll see who the, who the opponent is. I mean, it's not that far away. The playoffs are going to be here before we know it, Katie. Two. And again, um, not as a fan of course, and not biased, but who, if you were the Lynx, who would you want to see first? Ooh, yeah. Of the, of the bottom, of the bottom four in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I think, huh. Yeah, I think I'd want to see obviously Dallas. If Dallas squeaks in, you'd want to see them. But I think you know, looking between Chicago or Phoenix is probably the way to look at it. And yeah, both those teams can be dangerous. But I guess I'd rather see Phoenix um, without without Griner. I mean, we saw Chicago just the other night, and um, you know, they're uh, you know, despite the fact that the Lynx have beat them twice this year, I think they can be a dangerous team. Um, they can get really hot and and win a game that way. I'm, I'm not sure if Azaray Stevens is going to return, or even I assume Diamond is probably maybe less likely to return. But I think they can get some players back um, more likely that can give the Lynx some trouble. So I guess I'd rather see Phoenix than uh, Chicago. But um, I don't know. Uh, wh- what do you think? I mean, Connecticut's also a tough one. The Lynx have done well against them, but Bonner's you know she looms large. She can go crazy in a game. So all these teams are threatening. But I don't know. I guess Phoenix is the team I would least like to see if I, or excuse me, uh, Chicago is the team I would least like to see if I was the Lynx. That I think that checks out for me too. Like again, the last two 
they've beaten them every single time they faced them the last two seasons. But like I saw you tweet yesterday, like it was a lot closer game than I mean, it, and it came down to that at the end. But even when they were up by quite a bit, yeah. like the fact that it was that close when Chicago had like I don't remember 15 how many turnovers first at half, half time, yeah. yeah. That was kind of um, <laughs> frightening a little bit for yeah. the Lynx, I'm sure. But um, so Chicago, I think Phoenix, it feels like Tarasi just, if she's having a on night, then good luck. If but, she can beat um, anybody single-handedly. Right. And I think come playoff time, like she's probably just going to, every single night, she's going to have that fire in Phoenix, her. Phoenix so. to me has this weird disposition though, where you can like get them out of their game. They care more about the refs than like any league, any yeah. team in the league. And mm-hmm. like, I think that comes from their coach too. Like Sandy Brondello really cares about the refs and getting the calls right. Like Griner cares about that. Tarasi is like the biggest, like complaining player probably in league history. Like, you know, right. she's like CP three out there or something. Just work <laughs> working the refs all night. Like uh, getting any little edge she can, like that's her game. You know, respect to that. It's annoying, but but hey, any way you can get it, I guess. Um, so, you know, I don't know. That makes me less worried about Phoenix, though, is even though they do have, yeah, one of the greatest weapons of all time in the WNBA and in Tarasi, um, you know, and that's, I think Skyler's had a great season, too. But I just feel like they they can self-implode way easier, yeah. whereas, like, Chicago with Vandersloot, like, she's such a scary player. She can just control a game, and they have so many good, you know, shooters and so much offense that they're really, like we just saw the other night, they're not out of any game ever. Like, they right. can always come on back. So, um um, yeah, you want to avoid Chicago if possible, but uh, hopefully the Lynx uh, face one of these other teams and uh, you know make it into a you know an actual playoff series. That's what I'd like to see. The Lynx have you know unfortunately lost in the first round in the single elimination um, style the last uh, few years, and so it'd be cool to see them back in a series. You know where you get a is it best of seven? I guess in that in that semifinal, I think it is right. It's not just it's, it's not just the finals. That's seven, is it? I think it might be five, but okay. I. Need to recheck that. I want to see a series. Either way, either way, I want to see a series. You know, I mean, that would be so fun just to like start like as reporters too, just to pick up on all the small habits of opponents and whatnot. I think that would be really fun to cover. But yeah, I think the single limb. I think it works. You know, I think you know, especially a lot of big WNBA fans are sort of they don't like the single elimination thing. You know, for the that that first round or really the first two rounds because it you know you get this quick out of this these teams that work so hard all year and stuff. Um, but I think it's a good thing for the overall sort of like national fan base or to get more fans tuned into the playoffs. I think the single yes. elimination thing goes a long way. It's kind of like a little mini March Madness or something like that, uh, where the whole season rides on one game. Like right. that just works so well. So I get it that that's how it has to be. But um, you know, for for big WNBA fans, they want to see series like you're saying. They want to see the, the the adjustments between the games and all the different chess moves and the sort of drama that goes along with you know a sort of series like that. So. Um, it would be, it would be really fun to see uh, the Lynx do that, but yeah, we'll see uh, we'll see what they can do. Five more games in the regular season here, and then launch right into the playoffs. See how that goes. But uh, Katie, thank you so much for joining the show here um, as the repeat champion. Um, you know, you got a leg up on everybody. I mean, maybe I could have uh, somebody else back, and then they would also be at two. But you know, I think you're, you're for now you're gonna you're gonna have a leg up on everybody for for quite some time. Uh, please tell folks where they can follow you online, like on Twitter, and where uh, how people get to the next. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter um, for mostly basketball, but. Uh, some nonsense too at by Katie Davidson on Twitter and you can read everything at the next at the next.substack.com 
amazing. Go check out Katie's work there. You guys know about Katie Davidson, though. I don't got to tell you all that. Um, but yeah, we will um, we will be entering into the end of the season here, and uh, hopefully the Lynx continue their uh, their uh, stellar play, and uh, we'll see what happens in the playoffs. Until then. <laughs>